Hi, my name is Rhonda Minga, and I would like to welcome you today to Freedom Ministries in Crossford, Arkansas. I invite you to connect with us online at freedomministriescrossit.com. Now let's take the time to pray before we tune in to today's message. Lord, I lift you up, and I just pray that you draw us by your Spirit. I pray that you show us your Word. You give us great and mighty revelations of who you are and how you want to move in and through us. Lord, be with these people as they tune in now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Apostle, we're ready for you. Hallelujah. Amen. Ooh, it's a blessing to be here tonight. And oh, hallelujah. Uh, so we got part of the team here tonight. This is kind of a last minute thing. And I was blessed for, uh, actually, I was, I was praying about it after Sister called me and maybe a day or so, and I called uh, uh, Pastor Lori, Pastor Terry, and I said, I think maybe y'all should go on this. <laughs> and Pastor Lori had already told Pastor Terry, <laughs> we need to go with him. Amen. And, uh, I appreciate Pastor Terry. He's been driving us around, and wow, that's such a blessing. And uh, he's a real exhorter, so I just wanted to come and share a few minutes, just give y'all an exhortation tonight. <laughs> See, he, he was really wanting to do that last time we were here on Sunday morning. He just, he'd been waiting for a month for that prayer time. And when, when they finally uh, uh, told him to wrap it up, <laughs> he was teaching y'all. He, he wasn't telling you. He was teaching you what to do. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel something in this house tonight. Hallelujah. When I walked in here, boy, I, I just went to my happy place. Right? My happy place. I got a place right here. It's right over in that corner. Hallelujah. And every time I go in that place, amen, just tears begin to come down my, down my eyes. Hallelujah. And God's begin to, open, begin to open up my heart. Hallelujah. It is something about this place. Now, you... Uh, we we have been some few places since we've been with Apostle Paul, I mean Apostle Abel, and some special places. But I just want to let you know, Apostle and Pastor, I love this place. I love your people. You've got something here, Hallelujah, and it's heavenly. It's the presence. Of the Shekinah glory of God in this place. It's a reverence in this place. It's been put inside of you. And I sense something since I walked through this place. And I focused on a person. I focused on this young man right here. I don't know nothing about this young man right here. But as soon as I walked in the building. God just, he just put a just little draw, a draw to me. Amen. And hallelujah. And it is something about this place. You got the presence of God to draw. To draw them. Come on, church. Well, the other church will not draw these kind of people. You have got something that you're reeling them in. in. Hallelujah. You long for this kind of stuff. You earn for this kind of stuff. You cry out for this kind of stuff. For these people to walk through here that's, that's broken, that's bound, that the enemy has destroyed. 
And I just want to say, keep on. Keep on. You're going to make it. You just start. But let me tell you, what he started in you, he will finish it in you. Philippians 1.6, that's a promise. Hallelujah. You've got a purpose. And he's got a plan. He took you out so you can do something for his kingdom, for his name's sake, for his kingdom's sake. Church, I love you. I love you. Keep, keep grinding. Because there's people's coming. People's coming. They get a hook in the jaw already. Keep on, Pastor. You, you got it. You got it, girl. You've got it. You've got the goods. Hallelujah. Strengthen your cords. Look to the right or to the left. Look at the building. Hallelujah. You're about to increase. You once had an overflow in this place. I speak a double portion what you have ever had before. In Jesus' name. Amen. Woo. Hallelujah. He does. He talks about this place more than. <laughs> when are we going back to crossing? <laughs> Woo. Mm. Hallelujah, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy tonight, God. We declare the kingdom of God is at hand, Lord. Lord, continue to stir up. Stir the waters, Lord. Stir the waters, God. Stir the waters. Stir the pool up, Lord. Let your gifts, your anointings, your callings, God, be stirred up, be released, be pulled out of people, Lord. God has a greater you know, we, sometimes we think we're just coming to get fixed, but God says, I got a lot more than that. Hallelujah. Mm. Woo. Mm. Praise God. So I appreciate you guys praying while we were in Uganda. Woo. Man. Hallelujah. There was some fire coming in that place. You know, it's good to be able to preach the same thing in other countries as you preach. You know, if you can preach it anywhere, you know it's the gospel. Because God didn't make one message for one nation and one message for another nation. It should be. It should work everywhere you go. And if you got something, I've heard messages preached over here. You couldn't preach over there. They wouldn't work. But God, God's given us stuff that we can preach wherever you go. And there's something you can carry wherever you go. And sister said it while ago. Fire! That, that goes beyond language problems. Ha, yeah. They might, you may not have the best interpretation in the world, but when fire shows up, people know something's going on. Woo. So in Matthew chapter 3, I want to read a scripture. Chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. It says, I indeed baptize you with water 
unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So John shows up, and he's preaching, comes out of the wilderness, preaching. It's amazing. He left religion. His father was a very religious man, had a religious position, had, I mean, had it made. He could just serve under his father and take up that and, be, and minister in the temple and have everything taken care of. But something drove him out of that religion. The Bible says even in his mother's womb, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And I believe that something inside of him said, something ain't right about this. I mean, when, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's able to, the Bible says, he can guide you, direct you, comfort you, show you where you need to go. And a lot of times it's going to go against what other people around you are saying. It's going to go against what friends might be saying. Now, if it's going against every Holy Ghost-filled person around you, you might ought to check yourself. Because sometimes, I mean, when somebody comes up to you and says, well, God told me, there's no response to that. Because if, if they're saying God told them this, what are you going to say? Unless you're really bold and say, no, he didn't. But I mean, people come up, well, God told me I'm supposed to do this. Well, you just better go do it then is all I know. So it, it's kind of a dangerous thing. But if people around you that God's put in your life are not, that something in their spirit is not coming with something in your spirit, then maybe we need to pray and wait a little bit more. But here's John, and he's, the Bible says he just kind of set himself apart. There's a small group of people that were, I don't, uh, kind of religious group out in the caves that were just praying and seeking God and seeing what was going to happen. Then John gets the message to come out of the wilderness and begin to preach. And he's saying, I indeed baptize you with water into repentance, but he who's coming after me is mightier than I. He said, I got something I can baptize you with. I can speak to you. I, I can preach to you. I can minister to you. I can tell you what you need to do. You need to repent because something's about to happen. The kingdom of God is at hand. You need to turn from your ways and turn toward God's ways. But I'm here to tell you that's not enough. There's somebody coming. See, I can't do what this somebody else who's coming can do. I can tell you some things. I can counsel you. I can try to comfort you. I might help pay some of your bills. I might do some other things in your life. I might drive you to church. I might make a place for you to come. But there's something I can't do. There's only one person can do. His name is Jesus. And this is the one you need to get a hold of. He's going to baptize you with Holy Ghost and fire. Not just water, but Holy Ghost and fire. When this gets on you, something's going to happen. Woo! You ain't going to be the same no more. Yeah, some of your friends ain't going to like you. That's a good thing about Facebook. Block. I mean, that's the best thing in the world. Block. And if you find yourself, you only got two friends. Well, well, you know you got two friends. <clears throat> the cool thing about block is they can't message you or do nothing. They're going to have to call you and talk to you face to face. And they're scared to do that because they know something's got on you. Oh, yeah. John's out there in, 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 um, 
Matthew 13 through 15, Jesus came to Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Man, I'm just out here going through some motions, but that's the one. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's the one. I need, man, are you crazy? I need what you got. I'm just baptizing people into repentance. I don't, I'm not able to baptize them in fire and Holy Ghost. But that's what I need, some more of it. I got it when I was a little baby, but there's some more, and I want some more. And it's awesome to, and it's really fun to be in Uganda where they've never heard this message. They've never heard people talk about being baptized with a fire. Most of the time, and I, I was telling Apostle Henry this, I guess they were taught before that anything that's supernatural that happens is the devil. It's witchcraft. So they've been kind of shy and backing off of anything supernatural. So they've been trying to live in a supernatural world with a natural mind. They've been trying to live where people are coming to church and say they're saved, but they're going to the witch doctors to get anything done spiritually that needs to be done. They're going to the witch doctors to get healed. They're going to the witch doctors to deal with, with problems. It's the same thing in America. We've, we've, there wouldn't be so many people in the New Age movement if the church wasn't afraid. I mean, people that have dreams, visions, See things they're afraid to tell their pastor because they'll probably tell them, you need psychological counseling. We might need to call in Memphis, it's Lakeside, and you may need to go visit for 30 days. They'll give you some drugs and you'll get whacked out. Then you'll start having demonic dreams, and then we can give you some more drugs and try to fix that. Because the church doesn't know what to do with it. Most of the church in America, if something spiritual shows up, woo, just talked to, at a meeting this morning, talked to a pastor. They just took over a cowboy church a couple of months ago. And they said, we've been trying to talk to them about spiritual things, but when we do, all the elders are bailing out. They don't want nothing to do with it. I said, well, you're going to have a hard time if all your elders are not interested. It's going to be hard to bring. If the leadership's not in agreement, it's going to be hard to bring these things into the church. It's just not going to happen. So we'll stay there until God tells us to move. I said, that would be a good thing to do. So we were able to go into Uganda. A lot of awesome things happened this time. When we, when we get there, the first things we usually do is go out into village churches. And so the uh, first church we went to was actually about two hours away. And uh, a lot of children in that church. And it's amazing, the pastors, several of the pastors are filled with the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues. But most of the congregation is not. They're, they're, I don't know if they're afraid or whatever to teach their congregation about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. And that, that's the open door to all the things God's supposed to do. But I think it's an old religious mindset but that only the ministers are supposed to do that type of stuff. And everybody else is around just to follow doing whatever is told to be done, just the... You know, I'm the priest and you're just here to be a subject until you go to heaven one day. But it's not that. So we've been praying for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing. Most of them come up. Most of them get filled with the Holy Spirit. 
First church was pretty good. Second church, we had to go out and we had six people on our team and they didn't tell us that that day we were going to walk a trail and we are going to cross a creek about as far as from here to the back of the church there. Maybe not quite that far. And all they had was a bunch of rocks piled up to try to walk over to get to the other side. And so we're walking across the creek and some of the guys were helping the ladies and they didn't help us and I stumbled off in knee deep in that stuff. And then the, the guy that's uh, Muslim, the ex-Muslim, he's the strongest guy among us the most physically fit, and he just fell all the way in. I'm like, you must have been needing to get baptized today or something. And, and, but when we got to the other side and walked through the trails and banana trees and stuff, and it's just a mud hut, a little mud church, not, not much bigger from these steps to the second pew there and about maybe this long or so, maybe a little bit longer. And everybody started sharing testimonies, and everybody was sharing about the fire of God. And man, you could just feel the presence of God building in that place. And then at the end, I just finished with about 15 minutes talking about the fire of God. Man, they all came up, and there wasn't, there was about six pastors, some bishops in there, and a few other people. And I mean, heaven fell in that place, and the bishops are rolling around on top of each other, and whoo, it's fires coming down. So when we finished up, we had some time of testimonies, and Pastor uh, Cedric is our overseer. He said, he was the one that brought us out there, and he said, I really felt bad bringing you guys out here. He said, you know, our ladies weren't really prepared to go hiking that day. He didn't tell them about that. He said, I really felt bad. But he said, I felt something five years ago when you first came, when uh, Miss Carol first came in the church in Kampala, and she prayed for me, and the fire of God hit me, and I fell out on the floor. God just fell in that place. He said, I was wondering, was there more? I was wondering, was that it? Was that all that was going to happen? And he said, I was really feeling bad when we got in here, and not as many people showed up as was supposed to, and this and that going on. I really didn't know, but he said, you know what? Today was my day. He said, I got more. There's more. <laughs> I got filled up. I've got stuff I haven't got before. He said, it was my day. He was so happy running around. It was my day today. So you never know when your day is going to be. Sometimes, you know, he's serving and helping and ministering, and we get emptied out, and we need to get filled up again. We need someday. It's, some, it's okay for someday to be my day. Just get out of my way. I'm about to get a hold of this thing. I'm grabbing this uh, horns of this altar, and I'm hanging on till fire comes. So he had his day, and we were able to make it back across the creek a little better this time. They cut us out some sticks to hold. It wasn't that deep, but. So the next day, because here, where are we going? We're going somewhere. What We're going at some time. What's going to happen? Something's going to happen. So when, don't you want to get up Sunday morning and say, we're going somewhere at some time, and something's going to happen. So we went out the other direction, drove up the side of this mountain between the banana trees and got up there to about halfway up the top. Praise God, the van, it just could barely fit up that trail. And then there's a church that has mud walls and no roof. They just, they were hanging a tarp over the top to have a roof. 
And these men started showing up and found out later there were some pastors and bishops from the Congo. And they were sharing their testimony and how they had been over there preaching. Some of them had been locked in prison for preaching the gospel. There's a lot of fighting still going on, military guerrilla warfare going. And said, we'll go and watch them fight. And when they get through fighting, we'll go and preach the gospel to them. I'm like, I need to get saved again. <laughs> Y'all need to pray for me. <laughs> so if you got people just out there on the street fighting, just wait till they get through fighting and go preach the gospel to them. And so different team members we preached. And what are we preaching? The fire of God. You need the fire of God. Pastor Gary and I at one time, we were down in Mexico. And we wound up on a reservation in Mexico that the missionary said he'd been trying to get on that reservation for seven years. Said everybody around told him, don't go there. You don't want to go there. And when we met up with this missionary, he said, I finally got a, he got a written invitation to go on this reservation. And so we, we drove up, and as soon as we went across the borderline into the reservation, Pastor Gary started getting sick, and my heart went out of beat. I've been doing good up till then. It starts fluttering and going, I mean, immediately when we cross the borderline. So that would be a good time to say, we need to go back home. But see, there's a fire burning. And the mind says, you know what, this is going to be really good. I may die when I get there, but it's going to be good. This is not a good place to have a heart attack, but it's a good place to have a Holy Ghost attack. And so we got there. Only one church on the reservation, never been a Catholic church there. And it's an apostolic church. And a guy stood outside with a big speaker and sang and played on a Wednesday night for, I don't know, an hour before we started church. And people told us there won't be many people there on a Wednesday night. And, man, the church filled up, women on one side, men on the other side. Here we are in an apostolic church. I'm not sure exactly what they believe. Right near an island called Shark Island. And we got these little ladies and these little guys, and we're Spanish-speaking. So what do you preach to this village? It's full of alcoholism and drug addiction and all these things. You need the fire. There's one thing this village needs is the fire of God to fall in this place. You need to be baptized with Holy Ghost and fire. I don't know what else you got, but you need the fire of God. That's what you need. I don't have time to teach you a bunch of doctrine. I don't have a bunch of time to go through a bunch of other stuff, but I know this. If the fire will come down, something's going to happen. I didn't, you know, when you have an interpreter, you don't know how much people are understanding or what's going on or nothing else, but I finally said, if you want the fire, come up. And I'm talking about the whole church came to, boom, I'm like, oh, my goodness. And we just, me and Pastor Gary started praying for people, and, I mean, they were falling down all over the place. Fire was coming. After we got through praying for them all to get the fire, in a little bit they got up, and we started praying for them to get healed. And finally the pastor said, everybody in here is healed. We're like, good, we're through now. They started going to their houses and bringing bottles of water back and saying, pray over this water. I'm going to go home and make my drunk husband drink this. I mean, I didn't even think of that one. 
Here they come with all these bottles full of water. <laughs> Put the fire in this water, God. When he drinks this water, the fire of God will go inside of him. Man, he'll throw up all those demons and get right with heaven. Mother brought her son in, had a gorder on the side of his neck. And we prayed for that. And nothing happened. We prayed again, and it went away. I mean, we're like, whoa, man. But what if you stop back there where your heart's going wacko and you're getting sick and throwing up? Man, when those, those, the enemy will come to try to stop us, just like Paul when he was shipwrecked on that island and he went to build a fire. Now, why does the Bible talk about him building a fire? There was a purpose in it. Man, he... I think it was a prophetic word. He was, there was a fire. God wanted to build a fire on that island. And whenever he built that fire, it said a serpent came out and bit him. Too many, I mean, if you're in this fire, you're going to get bit. It may be a close friend. It may be somebody that's not a close friend. It may be something in your household. But the serpent's coming to bite you. Too many people, when they get bit... <laughs> They start, oh, you'd be a nice serpent. You know you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> Won't you come home with me? Instead of, I mean, because the opportunity for sin is going to come too. We had a, a couple in our church one time, revival broke out in Bolivar, and this couple come off the streets, and they were, we had made one of our church buildings a, a recovery home. Come off the streets. They're in the church revival. We'd allowed him to walk down to the store one day, and he came back and he said, "We're walking to the store, and there's one of these big, thirty or 40, 40 ounce cans of beer right there, never been opened." He said, "We've walked the highway for miles. We've never found a full can of beer, but now there it is." I mean, stuff will show up. You're like, "Whoa." That lady who would never talk to you, now she's calling you on the phone. That guy, temptation. What are we going to do, stare at it? It said, Paul, shoot that thing off. The same fire that caused you to bite you, if you'll shake it back in that fire, will burn it up. He said, I've come to burn things up. I'm burning it up. That's what the, the scripture says. He's come to burn things up. He's got his winnowing fan, and he's going to burn things up. And it's amazing. It'll put a fire inside of you, or either it'll bring judgment to you. You know, when we move into this place with God, it's not a time to be playing games. You might go into a traditional church and play uh, patty cake, patty cake, baker's man. But when heaven's showing up, when the glory's showing up, you, it's, it'd be really safe if you're not interested in being serious. Probably leave the building. Don't go playing games with God where heaven's showing up. That's dangerous. Ask. You probably won't see them. I hope not. Ananias and virus. All they did was tell a lie and the Holy Ghost killed them. I've heard people try to explain that away. Oh, it really wasn't the Holy Ghost. Well, the Bible says it was the Holy Ghost. So we're up there on the top of that mountainside. Woo. Everybody shared some. I preached a little bit about the Holy Ghost and fire. And he came. I don't know how much they understood of what I said. 
But when he shows up, he knows how to speak people's language. It's really, you know, that reality TV. But there's nothing like being out in some village and the Holy Ghost shows up. And people have never experienced that before. So for a while we were praying. One of our ladies just gets up and goes and hugs one of the pastor's wives from the Congo. She just gets drunk instantly. She starts staggering around all over the place. <laughs> she's flopped down over the chair she was sitting in. I mean, she's standing there doing okay. And Miss Mary just reached and gave her a hug. That was it. That's all it took. See, sometimes we think, well, I don't know what to preach to these people. I don't know all my theology. Well, we need to grow in that as we go. But you need the fire of God. When Paul came to him in Acts 19, he says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? I mean, that's the first question. They didn't ask him, you know, what do you believe about end times? And what do you believe about this? And what do you believe about that? He said, do you have the Holy Ghost? He said, we ain't even heard about this. That's what we feel like. They're saying, we ain't even heard about this. And so I prayed for this. One young pastor, he's going with those guys in the Congo, and he's, he's, and we start praying for him. And it feels like I, I'm saying to him, and I don't know if he understood, God is filling your cup. Man, he did. God baptized him in the Holy Spirit. He's there. He's just shaking. We just started taking his hand and putting it on other people, and the power of God started hitting them all around. It's like, woo! After he got doing, through doing that for a while, he goes over and gets, he's up there on the dirt ground on his knees and on his hands like this. I'm like, oh, man. He didn't get just a little bit. I mean, God was filling his cup. He took a pitcher and started pouring it into him. But he knows where he's going. I believe he's going to show up in some of them combat zones and something supernatural is going to happen there. See, God knows what our destiny knows how much we have need of. Where you're going, how much do you need? It seems like it's evident in the American church we really don't need very much because we hadn't got hungry for very much. But we're seeing with the drug ep epidemic, with what's going on in our nation and our government. I mean, if we be silent any longer, they're just trying, they're going to take over. But see, there's hope. Because the Holy Ghost is no respecter of persons. He don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. He don't care if you're red, yellow, black, or white. He don't care if you're young or old. He don't care if you're man or woman. He just needs somebody to bring him over close to them. I started walking through the little congregation, sitting on benches. I was just praying for people. I touched this one lady on the head. I mean, just touched her. She started screaming. I'm like, oh, what's going on? And she immediately hit her knees and moved to the edge of the wall. I mean, took off that way. I'm like. And then one of the guys come down and started praying. Man, the demon started manifesting. But it was wild. I just touched her. She starts screaming. Those things. I mean, it's like those demons. As soon as the fire touched them, they just started screaming. I mean, you don't, we don't really understand what we're carrying. If we did, we'd value a lot more. We would, I mean, we're like, whoo, what I got inside of me ain't worth watching that. 
what I got inside of me, block. I ain't messing with yourself. You want to get right with God? Come on, let's go. But if you're going another direction, I ain't going with you. You don't understand what just came inside of me. You don't understand what's moving inside of me. You don't understand the fire. You don't understand the visitation in the nighttime hours. You don't understand when I'm going through all kinds of stuff. There's a peace that just settles over me. The peace that passes all understanding. You don't understand all that. And if you're not interested, I can't make you hungry or make you interested. You got to decide that. I'm here to help, but I can't force my will. Whoo! Holy Ghost fell on the mountaintop. It just has a tendency to do that. We'll just give him an opportunity to show up. He'll show up. We can just get our hands on somebody. Oh, just let me pray for you. Me and Miss Carol went to the bank to get money exchanged. We're exchanging money there for Ugandan shillings and this lady Harriet. And she said, what are y'all doing here? I said, well, we're ministering, doing missions work. And Miss, Miss Carol said, could we pray for you? So she was writing down this prayer request. And when she handed it to Miss Carol, Miss Carol just grabbed her hand. <laughs> See, people want you to pray later on. That's okay. But let's go ahead. And, and there's a guy standing behind us, and she grabbed her hand. said, oh, Jesus, just touch her right now. Just bless her, meet her needs. Just prayed a simple prayer. And when she let go of her hand, she started wiping her forehead. Holy Ghost, he done showed up in the bank. I mean, some of us, we just think he's limited to the church. I got to get to the church so the Holy Ghost can show up. He wants to get so inside of you and on you and around you and smear you and anoint you and light you up that just wherever you go, he's showing up. You know, after some years, you'll begin to have a confidence that if I can pray for somebody, he's going to touch them. It may not happen right off the start, but if you'll stick with it, and it may happen off the start. So then we went into pastor's conference, and, you know, we probably had 30 pastors, but we had about 300 people. So what do we preach? Holy Ghost and fire. It's cool when at the end your interpreter looks at you and says, man. (laughs) That was powerful. And then you just call people up and start praying for them. Heaven come. Even when Miss Mary that went with us, I mean, she'd already prayed for that. Just hugged that one lady, and she fell out on the floor. So she's in this just pile of people. I posted a video, and people are all over, and 
And she just passes by, and I just touched her as she passed by, and it's like she went six feet through the people all over the place, started laughing, I mean, just uncontrollably. Three or four people got their arms around her trying to hold her up, and I'm trying to look and make sure it's women holding her up because they got their hands all over the place. And then we had to load her in the van, and then when we got back to the motel, we just about had to carry her up to the motel room. She couldn't come to dinner that night because she couldn't move or get out of her bed. (laughs) She'd been to the Philippines for 12 years in a row, and she's never experienced something like that before. And then she's laying in the bed thinking, what is happening to me? The amazing thing is next week she's going back to the Philippines. We're believing that same thing is going to happen to people. Over there. You know, we've been talking about this cluster anointing. And we, you know, we, t- we talk about discipleship because the Bible says go and make disciples of all men. And we've, we've done real good at making church membership. Everybody show up on Sunday morning. Let's join the church and become a member. But that ain't what God said. He didn't say make membership. He said make disciples. And it seems like we haven't done that great of job of making disciples. Because disciples takes time. And it really takes being with people. If, if I just tell you something and you go away, but it takes living, doing life together, finding a group of people to do life together with. That's why it's awesome when Sister Angie goes to uh, Conway and everybody gets in a van and rides together. You're doing life together. Something's happening. I mean, you may be waiting. Maybe on the ride she'll give us this great teaching. But it isn't even about the great teaching. It's, there's something that happens just being together. There's something that gets off on people just being together. Being around, I mean, like Elijah and Elisha. Being around people that are going after heaven. When you cluster yourself together with that, something's beginning to happen. And see, some people, I don't have time to do this. I don't have time. Well, it just ain't coming. We have time to do what's important. To us. And in too many places, it's a shame that ministers have been afraid to have anybody around them because if anybody finds fault in them, because they initially think, well, you know, they're on the platform. They hung the moon. They're perfect. There's no flaws. And if you hang around somebody long enough, you're going to find a few things that you probably don't quite, might rub you just a little bit the wrong way. Now, there's a difference in open sin and just differences of opinions or way to do things. And you hang around people enough, you're going to find a few things that mm, don't let that. And that's why ministers, because they hang around people, they let people get to know them, and the next thing they're out and they're stabbing them in the back. So after two or three times of doing that, they're like, they put a wall up and say, nobody's coming in my boundary. But if we do that, we cannot make disciples. We can't be a cluster and have new wine. So it hurts. It hurts when people you know get around you and the next thing they're backslid or messed up or whatever. But you got to get back up and go again. You can't let that stop you from the purposes of God. You got to know something's inside of you that needs to get on them. And some of them will get it and some of them won't. So the, one, of the, one of the amazing things, so we were in Uganda in September, and our bus driver, Isaac, I think I'd shared some about him when I've been here before, that uh, we'd talked to him, and he, him and his wife had made a decision not 
wife that a lady he was with, living with and had children with made a decision to separate themselves until they could be married. The problem is you got to pay a dowry to get married, and most of them can't raise the money to pay the dowry, so they just live together. And he, he had asked me the question, you know, I'm living with this woman. She's the mother of my children. I feel like I'm called in the ministry. Will that be a problem? Yep, that's the problem. And we're at breakfast talking about the problem, and that's how Ali, the ex-Muslim, came over and started talking to us because he heard us talking about talking with Isaac. So I, we wanted Isaac to drive us again, and he got to drive us again this time. And he's just real quiet. He don't say much. He's very polite. He helps us, carries bags, does whatever he has to do. Just an awesome young man. And, and so we're together, and he's told us that he's, him and his wife have prayed. They're not, they're not sleeping together. They are in the same house, but that's just how they have to live right now with children. In fact, they got married the 16th. Three days after we left, they got married. And we'd raised enough money to help pay the dowry. And so at the, at the different sessions, we try to let everybody share a little bit. I let him share a little. I hadn't. I might have let him share one time in September. This time, let him share, and he shared just a little testimony. I mean, the next three times, he was preaching. I'm like, who is this man? I asked him afterwards. I said, have you been preaching between September and now and practicing or whatever? No, this is my first time. I mean, he's preaching the kingdom of God. He's preaching this stuff, Holy Ghost and fire. And I'm like sitting there going, oh, my gosh. And then Ali, the Muslim, He's teaching every service. I mean, they're spellbound. He's only been saved two years, and, and he's Congolese, but he knows the culture. And he's sitting there preaching to these pastors and stuff, and they all got their jaws dropped. But see, all of us spent the whole trip together both times. We're there together. We're eating together. We're not sleeping together. But... <laughs> We're traveling together. We're being together. And I saw such, man, it's so powerful, it rubs off. It accelerates what God wants to do in your life. And then when we're praying, they're praying with us. Isaac most times is doing like, Pastor Terry's over there trying to hold me up the best he can. But it's, it's getting off on, man, you got to get in and get around it. You can't sit in the chair. You can't sit in the pew back and just watch things happen and then go home wondering why. Why didn't I get nothing? Man, you got to get in and get after it. Dig, you know, there's sometimes God just shows up and he can just whack you right there in the pew. That's just awesome. But that ain't how it happens most of the time. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. I'm impressed when we're having a fire tunnel and then people's back in the tunnel again. And they're back in the tunnel. Everybody else is just down there meandering around talking or whatever. And this person, the third time they're in the tunnel, I'm like, they're hungry. So I had an awesome time at the pastor's conference. And I got a note back that I read. <laughs> Pastor Cedric said, these people in western Uganda, they said, they've never seen a white man preach like that before. <laughs> I guess that's a, a, a good thing. <laughs> so this fire will come. You know, there's... Scripture in Acts 2.33, it says, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, 
and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He poured out this, which you now see and hear. You see, when John came prophesying, he said, there's one coming, I'll baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. And the whole time during the four Gospels, there's never a time where, there's a time where Jesus says, now go preach the kingdom. I've given you authority, go preach the kingdom. But they never had an opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then when it happened on the day of Pentecost, God poured out his spirit on them. And people are wondering, they accused them of being drunk and all kinds of stuff going on. And Peter's explaining it by saying, therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God. Jesus being exalted to the right hand of God. And because Jesus was faithful, because he did what the Father asked him to do, because he went to the cross, because he was crucified there, buried in a grave, raised from the dead, it says because of those things, he received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is now overseeing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's why we say, baptize us, Jesus. I mean, he's up there, the one with the, just, this is my commentary, with the can of Holy Spirit, and he's. That's why I get so excited. He poured out this that you're seeing. These people that look like they're drunk, it's because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and he's pouring out this on them. It's the evidence, it's the proof that he is who he says he is, and he did what he said he did. It's the proof he's not in the tomb, but he's alive. I mean, a lot of times it's just our argument with somebody else that the Bible and the Koran and all these different books, it's an argument. But when this stuff's happening, it proves he's not in the grave anymore. The Father says he's up there and he's administrating and distributing the fire of the Holy Ghost on people. And what you're seeing is proof that he's alive. That's why I get excited every time I see stuff happening. People falling, rolling, shaking, speaking in tongues, running fire. I'm like, he's alive. That's what we all do. He ain't dead. He's alive. Man, he's doing some stuff down here. <laughs> he's alive. <laughs> Woo! Hey! Satarabha Shatarababa. Ketarabo Kotarababa. Satarabababa Kuryatarababa. Shebabababa. This cluster God's raising up. <laughs> hey! Ho! Ho! I'm telling you, this works. It works. He's alive. He's doing the stuff. Woo! You can go anywhere. You can be in the den of thieves or the den of devils. We was there. Woo. He still shows up. See, that's going beyond just me wanting, God, just fill me with more. God, give me more so I can give it away, God. I want to show up in places and release heaven, let the power of God move over people. I want them to be shook upside down. I want them to come in saying, I don't believe that. I absolutely don't believe that. And wham! 
Well, now you can talk to God about it. You can tell him what you don't believe. <laughs> he don't believe that you don't believe. Oh. That's what's good about the cluster. Last week we went to kind of a new place for the team and they all got to get up and testify. I think that affected the church more than me preaching was seeing it just isn't just one person that's carrying the fire, one special person God's picked out. But here's this whole group of people that God has a fire burned inside of and we got responses back on Facebook. You challenged us because they're talking about praying for people at the bank or praying for people at the store or just praying the fire burning. Woo. <laughs> That's like our 70-year-old apostle in, in Uganda, Apostle John. Not many of them live over 50. It's amazing that he's 70. And when we crossed that creek, we were in that church where the fire fell, and he was laid on top of another guy. When he finally got up, he got up to testify, and he walked around. And he, don't, he don't speak very much English at all. He was walking around. He said, I'm drunk. <laughs> then he just went to chatter, and he's talking stuff. Finally, Cedric got up, put his arm around him, took the microphone away from him. If you get enough fire, it's not going to make a difference what your friends say. I mean, we got one hope for our nation. We got one hope for these babies that are being aborted. We got one hope for the opioid epidemic. Because God can deliver. Heard too many testimonies where instantly. Now, the most dangerous thing in the world for that type of deliverance is if you go back. Seven worse are coming. And next time, 
I've never seen next time it happened like that again. Next time, it was the work of the flesh working it through. Begging, pleading, praying, fasting, locking yourself away, going in rehab. Boy, a lot of times God gives grace on that first time. It's, it's done. I think it happens so easy that people take advantage of it. And, oh, that, was, that ain't nothing. I can do this again. And second time around, they find out it's a little different. Hallelujah. So I'm just agreeing with Apostle Angie's word. I just believe God wants more fire to come. Go to California next week. I'm preaching about the fire. Arizona, California. Come back here a week after that and then go to Guatemala. Woo. I'll be home nine days next month, including the days I come here. So that's really home about five days. God's up to something. It's been a few years since I've traveled like this before. And God's stirring the church. People are getting hungry. Ooh, that's exciting. So like Pastor said, the harvest, I believe it's coming. Last thing. So has anybody, you've probably never seen dynamite, but you've seen firecrackers. So just think of a big firecracker. <laughs> so it's got a fuse. And it's got the, the firecracker. So if you, if, you, if you read and look, to me, I mean, as God showed me this today, kind of, I never thought about it like this. But what we've been doing is kind of like the fuse. I mean, that fuse lights up. Smoke's coming up. It's sparkling and stuff. But it, it really hadn't done much damage. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of activity there, but there's not much damage there. And it's just like when, when in Jesus' ministry, his numbers got smaller and smaller and smaller. He was like the fuse waiting for the day of Pentecost was when the bomb was dropped. That's when the fuse lit the dynamite. You shall receive power, dunamis, power, The dynamite blows up, things happen. Blows the ground up, blows the walls up, blows the roof up, whatever. But here's the, when Pentecost happened, it drew people from everywhere. There was the, the people that were the spark, that there wasn't a whole lot of people that wanted to be that fuse part. You've seen what I'm saying. There ain't a whole lot of people that wanted to be in on the fuse ministry. Those that would allow themselves to be lit on fire and be that spark, be that sizzle, fizzle, whatever, until the bomb went off. See, we're talking about being in revival. We're having signs of revival, but the dynamite hadn't went off yet. 
Because when the dynamite goes off, that's when it starts gathering. So we're still burning the fuse right now. we got to keep this fuse burning until it ignites the dynamite. That's what our purpose is. Burn. Burn until, the di- until it gets to the dynamite. When the dynamite goes off, it affects the whole area. I mean, that's what happened in Brownsville. The dynamite went off and people came from all over the world. It wasn't because they had a better singing program or even a better preaching program or what. Just the dynamite went off. They spent two years being a fuse. Praying, pressing. We got to keep being the fuse. I think God's saying this one sign of revival really coming is, just like you've seen before, they will, they'll start coming. Then we've moved into phase number two. We've moved into the next phase that God has. Woo. So, Lord, keep us burning. Let's just stand up. Hallelujah. Lord, let us be the fuse. Woo. Light me on fire. Let me burn. When you're that fuse, it's, it seems there's a lot of physical effort, but more when the dynamite goes off. You just hang around and watch. <laughs> you watch God do his thing. But it seems like he's got to have people who will be a fuse before the dynamite happens. You hear tonight? And you're saying, Lord, I'll be the fuse, God. I'll be the fuse. I'll burn, Lord, till the dynamite goes off. Woo. So you get to be the fuse wherever you go. I mean, you, you, you do have some effect. It's, it's beginning to shake Uganda. We went back to the airport or back to a, a guest house to wait to go to the airport. And Ali had called his pastor and she's a prophet, and she came over to meet us at the guest house. And me and some other people went walking, and she came while we was walking, and she brought five people with her. When we came back, she was there. She said, Miss Carol, we've talked, and we prophesied and prayed, and we've already been touched by God. And I said, oh, that's nice. I feel like God wants to give you a gift. So we're sitting on the guest house porch. And inside the guest house is a whole group of people. I don't know if they're from the Catholic Church or the Lutheran Church, but they don't believe in what we're doing. Ooh, hallelujah. Ain't that fun? And, man, I prayed that prayer. I prayed and gave it to the sister, Frances. Woo, the power of God hit her. Wow. There's a lot of Shondine and Rondine going on on the front porch. <laughs> Wasn't one of them people in that other room opened the door or nothing. <laughs> and then all, all of her people with her, bam, 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 they're all on the front porch. And, you know, we didn't have worship music. We didn't have a church setting. We're just in the middle of Entebbe, Africa. And, but we got some Holy Ghost. Woo. He's good. <laughs> 
That went on for a while. And she said, I wish y'all were staying here some more days. We would follow y'all wherever you went. But it ain't because, I mean, it's because there's people want that fire, man. There's, there's a whole world out there that wants that flame, that person that was, that spirit person that God talked to. He put that desire inside of them. There's a religious world out there. There's people sitting in dead churches that are saying there's more. There's got to be something more. And God's waiting to send you out just to be that spark in the somebody that wants some more. Hallelujah. Come on, Lord. Turn the dynamite loose, God. God, light that fire, God. Thank you again for tuning in with us. If this word ministered to you, please consider sowing a seed to Freedom Ministries at freedomministriescrossit.com. We have made it available to you on the giving page. Thank you again. Go and be blessed in Jesus' name.